Uh, Car Sense presented by Mark Miller Subaru here on June 8th, 2019. We are halfway-ish through the year, Jeff Miller. Crazy, isn't it? This is insanity. I've done nothing with my year. Uh, we're in June, and I'm like, I have just not even made resolutions for 2019 yet. <laughs> just, How am I going to be successful? At this point, you should just start your next ones. Just look for yeah, 2020? Just, just work for the 2020 ones. Uh, Give yourself some time. There's a lot to look forward to <laughs> in 2020, hopefully. So uh, that's uh, something that uh, just n- n- uh, dawned on me this week. It's like, man, we are coming up on the halfway mark of 2019. Uh, we are coming up on the end of the do-good uh, do good feel good event and we'll be live next Saturday at the Southtown store yep uh, everyone knows where it is but the exact address is uh, 10920 South State Street in the Southtown Auto Mall you can see our new parking structure so park on the street and then walk your way in there but we'll have a pretty cool show up there and that parking structure is neat because it's lifted up off the back parking lot so it's got a pretty sweet view of the Ochre Mountains and the entire West Valley, West Valley side of Salt Lake. So you can look over everybody. We look over the rest of the Audemars. We we tower over them now. You are the watchdog. <laughs> now that the yeah, you can't see Audemars. it. I can't believe they're, not, they're probably pretty mad at you. Really, literally cannot see the Chrysler store from State Street anymore. <laughs> yeah, they probably aren't too happy about that. Whoopsies. And I haven't been there to see it. In, I've been there in a week, so I don't know what, what they've done last week. But it's getting closer <laughs> to finished. Uh, you can be part of the show eight five five three four zero zone. Everyone that calls in is entered to win a four-pack of movie passes, asking about uh, what great big adventure should your dog, cat, whatever pet you have go on at least once in their lifetime, 855-340-ZONE. But Jeff, before we uh, uh, make your announcement, actually, you know what, let's make your announcement first, because you teased going to the break, uh, uh, I was going over some things I want to talk about, and then you broke news. I did. And said that this is an exclusive yeah, car so sense not, announcement. We're not advertising this publicly at this point. So but, shh, don't tell people. But what, we made a decision. So it's part of our promise price. So what our promise price, so the biggest thing about promise pricing is the idea that we want to be fully transparent. We'll put all our cards on the table. Here's your best price. Here's everything it was. There was a something that didn't work with that, and it was in our finance areas that we and what we've talked about this in the show a lot that that in finance departments and guardianships they have the ability to mark up your interest rate. So you need to understand the fact that the interest rate you're getting from them might not be the interest rate they're getting from the bank. That a retailer can mark that up and they take and they get the percentage difference on that over the life of the loan, they get a piece of it. Mm. They get paid that by the bank to mark up that rate by another percent. Okay? So they take a piece of the financing essentially. Right. So looking at that, just the more and more we thought about it, the more we talked about it, is it, 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 it's counterintuitive to what we're pitching. It's, that, that's not what we believe in. It's not who we are. So we made an announcement, and we started it March 1st. So we've been in, I think it was March 1st? Yeah, March 1st or April 1st. One of the two. It's either two or three months into this. And what it is is that we have a new company policy. We do not mark up interest rates. So mm-hmm. every so every customer that goes through, you know when you finish with your product specialist and you're going to go into our finance office, you know that whatever rate they will turn and show you the rate sheet, whatever rate they're giving you is the best rate they're getting from a bank. And so you you know you're getting the best rates. Because what a lot of retailers will do, and it's not, it's not illegal, it's nothing bad, it's not even unethical, is what they'll do is that they will sell you a car for a little less expensive on the front, knowing that they're going to make a point or two on the back. And if they, I mean, on a $30,000 loan, if you can make a 1% interest rate and mark up, that could be eight or 900 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can make some pretty serious money to make up selling you a car for a little cheaper and taking a deal from another store because of that. So what we want to do is give someone the peace of mind that if you go through the finance office with us, you're going to get the best rate we can give you. 
So it's pretty cool. That is really cool. So I'm really excited. I was really excited about it. It's worked great for the first couple of months. We're going to stick with it. And it's, and our, obviously the customers just love it because they know they, it takes that worry about, oh no, am I getting the best rate? Are they taking advantage of me? Like another, like, oh, I just finished with the first one. Now I got to go to the next one. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And hopefully it takes some of that worry away. Have you always been a disruptor, Jeff? Oh yeah. No, we're always, we're, we're, we're always going to be that way. And we, we they t- talk about it at the dealer meeting and things like that, that we're always going to look at the process, figure out where the customer pain points are and where the customer stress points are. Not only pain points, but where they, where you, all of a sudden they go through a process and they feel a little more stressed about something. How can we get rid of that? How can we lower that stress? That's where a pickup drop-off came from. But there's a stress of how am I going to get that car down to you? How are you going to get that car back to me? i got to change my whole life. i got kids dropped off here, blah, 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 blah. That's why you have a cafe in your yeah, store. Right? That's why there's cafes. That's why there's kids' play areas. It's that we, we look for all those little areas where we can fix that little issue, and we try and fix it. And we take suggestions all the time, too. We get customers call us all the time that say, hey, what, you ever thought about doing this? You ever thought about this? Hmm. Like, you got a little issue here, and we love to hear that kind of stuff. This is great news because from the small tweaks, like a cafe and a kids' play area, to the radical, like, promise pricing, you, even when you did promise pricing, it was it, that's n- pretty much unheard of mm-hmm. what you guys have been doing, and now you're taking it even one step yeah, further yeah. by disrupting a and look kind of a behind the scenes from an industry standpoint. Is I mean, I I pitched this. I mean, I, so part of my Vegas meeting was there. I go I go through. It's called a twenty group. It's what it is. Is you get twenty super retailers from across the country, open financials, and we sit and we talk about stuff. And you talk and you see where you're underpaying, where you're overpaying, where you could cut expenses. Just It's just a consulting group of peers. It's really cool. If I were to bring this idea up there, I'd get laughed out of the room. Hmm. I mean, they'd be like, there's no way I could give up all that money. I mean, because, I mean, there, there are retailers that are making tens of thousands of dollars a month marking up rate. Wow. And we were, I'd say we were. And I think we were making, we were making that probably a month. And the way I look at it is, is that, I look at it from the other standpoint that is if I can use this thing, treat a customer better, so they're going to get a better experience because they're not going to get rate markup, which rate markup, there's no value to a customer. So like if you buy a service contract, you buy paint protection, you buy winch protection, you get value. You are paying money, you get value. You pay money for a 1% higher on your interest rate, you get no value. It's no, if you <laughs> no, no use to There's you, no yeah. value. So the idea of it is that if we can do that, and we're our salespeople on the floor pitching that idea, I think we will close a higher percentage of car deals that will make up for what we were making in interest rate. And you said you've been doing this now for two or three months. And we're closing 3 to 4% higher per store, which makes up for the number easily. That's awesome. So it's working so far. I mean, we're early in the process, but that's the idea of it. And it's trying to make the car industry a better place is my really ultimate goal. Is I, then I talked about this when we did one price. Is the idea when we did promise pricing, one of my biggest goals in it, is to convince others to do the same. Is if I can convince more and more retailers to start thinking about customers and thinking about how to truly change your process, not just treat customers great. And there are a lot of retailers in this state, country, like that treat customers great, but still do things the same way they've always done it. Mm-hmm. Just because that's and, the way it's done. And you got to think about how you need to change yourself and how you need to change your process. We've instituted iPads on the service drive that make checking a car in so much faster. There's so many of these cool little innovations. There's more stuff we haven't ever even done that other retailers are doing that will go copy down the road. But you got to think about every day about what your process is and how you can change it to make a better customer experience. Because the future of business in this world isn't price. This isn't about how you can give a better price to the next guy, how you can have a better deal, how you can have a better advertisement. 
It's about who can create the best customer experience. Because this new generation coming up, that's what they care about. They don't care about the lowest price. They care about, I mean, am I right? It's about who's giving the best experience, who's making it the easiest. Yeah, honestly, if I walked into a car dealership, I'd want someone that's kind of like what you're saying. Like, I, I don't want to be tricked into paying more than I need to. I want someone who's going to be straight up with me and more so who like explains to me exactly what I'm doing so Mm -hmm. I'm the most educated I can be while buying a car. There you go, Jess. This is what we're talking about. That's and your audience, too. This is right? our audience. And the idea, and we've seen since, since we've gone to Love Promise and Promise Price, our average consumer age has dropped significantly, multiple years. By two, three years, it's dropped in eight, our average age of owner. And it's because of that reason is that we're pulling more of the millennium population. This population's just, they don't want the best price. If you get the older population, like the 60 plus, 70 plus, a lot of that. Not, I'm not talking all, I'm not generalizing 100%, right. but a lot of that population truly wants the best price. They are going to fight you and get you the, I want the best price. Well, and hold on, you're saying best price, and what we're talking about is 100 or 200 $300 totally. on a $30,000 price. All Ultimately, that is should not be the deciding factor. Vast majority of the new generation and vast majority of the public these days doesn't want the best price. They want to be treated fairly and know they got a fair price. A fair no, price, yeah. They just don't want to get, just I'll put it as bluntly as possible, they just don't want to get screwed. Yep. They just want to walk out of that store knowing that they didn't get taken advantage of. And the old way of doing it was who could get one over on the other better and faster. Oh, yeah. It was a fight. Could the customer get one over on you? Could you get one over on the customer? And you were training your customer to lie to you, and the salespeople were lying to their customers. Yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, it's nasty. So now it's, here's your price. We know it's fair. We, I mean, we we research prices more than anybody in this market. We know, I know down to $200 what the best price you're going to get on any model (laughs) on my floor is. And so we're gonna we're gonna cut our price to the point that you're never gonna you're never gonna be more than three or four hundred dollars higher than any price unless someone's just giving away a car like an anomaly. There's anomalies out there, obviously, and people get lucky. But we know you're gonna get it fair price. You're you're gonna be you, we're not are we gonna be the lowest price in town all the time? No, but we don't need to be because guess what? You're gonna have a great experience. You're not gonna spend five hours buying a car. You're gonna buy a car in forty five minutes, and then you'll buy the next three cars there yeah. after that. And you're gonna come in. You're gonna and get treated, and, and your you're family. gonna get a two year maintenance plan. You're gonna get treated well in our service department. You're gonna have no stress as a millennial. You can get your car picked up and dropped off for the first two years free of charge. And we do things like that because we're gonna create a better experience. I'm gonna win on the experience game. I'm never gonna win in price. No, you probably won't. Yeah. And and that's honestly. That you're doing the exact right thing because I do feel like you know the younger generation feels like that they are owed like great customer service yeah. and if you can win in that you can I think win the market. Price is like fifth on the request. If you actually just research customers now, the vast majority of customers, the price concern and when they're buying a car is like fifth. Hmm. And but if you talk to every manufacturer, on the, every dealer on the planet. That's their I'm, number one. I'm going to call them dealers. Yeah. <laughs> you call them dealers. Their number one is, i got to have the best price. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I always love it because I, I, money, 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 money. I get so many conversations about one price, especially when I go to these meetings like this when I'm around 600 other dealers. And of those 600 dealers, probably 30 of them in the room are one price. <laughs> and they talk like, how do you do it? Like, I've got, I've got competitors way too close to me. There's no way I could do that. You just go down the street and beat it. I literally have the closest Subaru dealer in the country to me. We are the two closest Subaru dealers in the entire country, and it works. Hmm. Like, there's not two dealers close to us. We are, our, our nearest competitor to our Midtown store is two miles away. Nate Wade and Mark Miller, they are 
13, 22. So they are 23 blocks from each other. <laughs> <laughs> They're one street over and 22 blocks. You can see each other. Yeah, you can walk there. Yeah. I mean, you, literally have, you literally could walk there in an, in an hour. <laughs> you both, you, back in the day... Uh, you'd have a guy up on the roof with binoculars seeing what they're doing. They'd oh, yes. see what you're doing. and Totally, and it was always a fight, and you're going yeah. back and forth. And the other difference is, and it shows in what the new popula- the younger population coming up and what the new thing is, the biggest change in the car industry is that no one shops anymore. That what do you mean if, by If that? you went back a decade, the average consumer, my, this is one of my dad's favorite stories, and it always would bother him about Subaru customers back in the day. It's changed now. It's a completely different world. But I don't say it's 15, 20 years ago, and Subaru did a focus group. And they brought in all the five retailers in town and put them behind the glass and had this group of like Subaru customers coming in. And this lady talks about her experience last time. And she's like, oh, so I started up. I started north, went to that store, went to this store, went to the next store. And they all treated me well. But this one sales guy, I think it was Larry Miller at the time. It was Larry Miller Subaru when they saw their Subaru store. He treated me so great. It was just, he did this. He went out of his way. He drove the car to my house. He did all this stuff. It was just the greatest experience ever in my life. So just incredible. So they're like, okay, so when you in a couple of years, you're going to buy another one, right? She's like, oh, absolutely. I'd never buy anything but a Subaru. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to start up in Ogden. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the whole thing it's again. It's like, like everyone in the room just like, Shaking their heads like this. Why sucks. wouldn't you go back to where <laughs> yeah. you had a good experience? This sucks. But now it's different. Now you, the average consumer, I want to say the average consumer visits like 1.3 retailers before they make their yeah. decision. The average the average person's visiting only one place. Wow. So they're only buying a, going to one Physically place. visiting. Physically one. They're going to other places too and things like that. But they might be doing research online. They're doing research online. Websites. They're calling. They're sending phone numbers in, phone calls in. They're they sending walk email into, leads in. They, the average consumer only walks into like 1.3 dealerships. That's, that's... Where like 10 years ago, that number yeah. was like three and a half. First time I... I bought my first car in 2005. And so that's what, 14 years ago? Uh, and that's not that long ago. Yeah. And I went to six yeah. places. Wasted days of your life. We no weeks, weeks of your life. Weeks. Yeah. yeah. And that's the beauty of what we've been trying to create is we're, we're going to create a world where you can trust us. If you know what if you know what you want, and you're walking in our store and we have it. You could be in the finance office in 45 minutes. You, you know what ultimately happened is I was so broken down and tired that I just d- made a decision. Just made a bad decision, probably. In some ways, it was a bad decision. Yeah. That's what then the idea is. And I've been in sales trainings for this. I've been in trainers that train on the ideas that our goal is to wear you down. But eventually, we're just going to wear you down so you're so tired that you're just going to say yes to anything. Let me go home. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was that was trained. That was trained. That's... There were sales trainers, national sales trainers, when I first started 15 years ago, that would train on that idea. That's terrible. They, they, they used to be, there's a concept out there in the world, and it would be fun to post it on our website, but it's called Foursquare. Okay. So, and there are still, as sad as it is to say, there are still retailers in this year's world using it. And what it was is it's a box, and it's a paper piece of paper that this is what you would negotiate your deal on. The idea is you have four boxes. You got price, you got trade-in, you got down payment, you got interest rate. And the idea is that they would just play with each of the boxes and find out their number. And the, and the idea of it is to... The general idea of it is to confuse customers. Jeez. The general idea of the strategy on it is that you can cons- cons- get customers off the price and onto a payment. Why? And you move them to a payment discussion. Now you're on a payment discussion. They forget about they the forget about total the price, price. Yeah. And all of a sudden now they could be paying an extra $1,000 for the car because they were just worried about payment. Wow. 
that's and the idea is that's how, and it's all it's all black magic marker. There's Sharpie using Sharpie on it, and it looks like this hodgepodge on it. I'll, I'm gonna Google looks four like squares. A, and it I'll, looks like I'll, a beautiful I'll, mind. During the break, yeah. I'll show you some pictures of four squares, and you'll get the idea of what I'm talking about. But that's what we pitched, and you and and I've said I said it in my 20 group, and it's one of the favorite. I always hear it from the guys in the 20 group because they always say like I always get quoted on it. It's so these are the reasons people hate us. <laughs> yeah, I think so. The, the, we've taught consumers to hate car retailers, car, car dealers, not retailers. They like the retailers. Retailers are cool. But man. yeah, but this is the reason they hate car dealers is that we've done it. It's not their fault. It's our fault. We've we created processes for fifty years, sixty, seventy, eighty years. How long? I mean, we've my family's been in business since nineteen thirty one. So we've been in business for eighty some odd years, eighty eight years. And we've done it. We created our problem. We created all these problems. We created the stuff. Back in the day, they used to do all sorts of crazy stuff. They used to turn odometers, and they used to do all sorts of stuff that did anything for the dollar. And it became a and this and the auto business, almost more than any business out there in the world, is a bottom line business to most retailers, sure. most dealers. Is that all that matters is I want my return of sales. I need to make net profit. And as long as you're thinking about the world in net profit. You're not taking care of customers. You're not creating experience. And it's what we pitch every day. I mean, every sale, every customer, every employee that we hire, we talk about in interviews, dude, is that our company philosophy, we never think of a profit. And we try and teach our employees, you should never think about your paycheck. Well, that's why you're not commission-based. Yeah, yeah don't place. think about your paycheck. Yeah. You don't need to worry about your paycheck. If you do things the right way, if we treat our, us doing things the right way, is us treating our employees right, they treat the customers right. We, then money makes sense. As a as a salesperson, well, money makes money. Yeah, that yeah it makes money. Yeah. yeah, if you're a salesperson, if you just start, if you just treat your customers right, and follow the processes and do the things the way we trained you and taught you, you're gonna make money. Don't worry about it. You're gonna make plenty of money. Yeah, the money's gonna come because we've because we've built a process, we built a pay plan that's built like that. That it's built that if you take care of people, the money comes. The problem is most car. When you talk about some of the way these commission pay plans work at some stores, that they're built to take advantage of people in some places. They're built that, guess what, the, guess what, guys, we really need to sell that car out there. There's a $2,000 spiff on that yellow car out there in the corner. Go get it, Saturday morning sales meeting. <laughs> so guess what every salesperson is going to do when they start with a customer? They're going to walk them by that yellow car and say, this is the best deal we have on the lot. I know you came here for a green uh, yeah, right? Super, minivan, but here's this yellow Mustang. For, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what they're going to do. And they're going to know that, guess what? If I sell that car, I get two grand. Uh. And so they're not working for their customer. They're working for themselves. Right. They're working for their paycheck. And they might sell that yellow Mustang that day, but, but that's the only thing they will sell. And I've got to tell you, our industry, we're getting a lot better, but we're still not anywhere near where we need to be. Um, we're still, I, I think we're ranked. You, above, I think we're ranked above Congress, though, as far as trustworthiness. <laughs> I think so. I think we're yeah. just a slight bit above Congress on that Gallup poll. Well, the numbers <laughs> you just gave me—how many uh, people were in that meeting with you last week, and how many of you are actually well, promised prices? Yeah, I want to say it's like thirty. There are a lot more that are going towards it. I mean, so I, it's, I, it's you moving. See a, you see it pop up on websites, but and, it, it and I get phone everybody. calls from guys, and I and I've told and I tell everybody I talked about. I say, whenever if you want to come out, come out. I will host you. You can come sit on my sales desk for a day. You can talk to anybody you want in my store. Come out and I'll pitch it to you. Does anyone take you up on that? I've had a couple. Have you? I've had a couple guys come in and talk about it. Just friends of mine that wanted to come see how it worked. And they're baffled by it because it's a whole different world. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a yeah, different we, science. I mean, first, they walk in the door and we have an open sales office. 
There are not many retailers. They're not. They're not behind glass. <laughs> there's no not curtains. Yeah. yeah. But, there's no Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. effects going on. But I mean, it's it's an industry problem that we need to fix. And the problem with it is, is it's costing the U.S. economy billions. Is because the fact that we don't treat customers right, and it's in general, as an industry, we're only selling 17 million new cars, and we should be selling 20. Mm-hmm. If you missed what started this discussion, is uh, Mark Noah Subaru is going away uh, for? They're doing the financing different than the industry does. There's no markup on the interest rate anymore. Whatever, even though the banks allow us to, we will not do it. We will be leaving all of our rates right at whatever the buy rate is, and whatever that rate is, is that that's what the customer is going to pay. So if the bank gives us a 3.7% rate, and our finance guy in the past could have, our finance guy, even in our store, I'm not going to say we didn't do it, because we absolutely did it. They could say, okay, the market rate, the market rate out there that you'd get if you went and shopped yourself is 4.8%. So they look at it and say, because of our economies of scale, our relationship with banks, we got a lower rate, we get, we're entitled to that percentage. It's not unethical. It's not. I'm not. I'm not saying other dealers are unethical doing it. It's not, because I mean there is economies of scale that we have the ability to buy banks a lot better than an individual person do. They're going to give us better deals than they're going to give you. I mean, it's still your product to sell at yeah. a profit. Yeah, it's still a product. It's still we can legal. Sell, but yeah. we've, we're making the choice to give that money to the consumer. And so you come in, we get a three eight rate. You're going to get the three eight rate. We're going to show you the screen. That's a, that's and that's what we've been incredible. trying to train our finance managers to do. That when you start in that finance office, they turn the computer screen and say, "Here's your approval." It's really Jeff. I'll compliment you here because it's honorable. Because I would challenge, or I would contend that the majority of customers don't realize that that was going on. Vast don't majority. even think about it. Vast majority. I feel like I'm kind of in touch with the business. And this was news to me a few months ago when you brought this up to me. Yeah. I had never thought of that. Because, I mean, most people, it's... So you could have gotten most away people, with it. it's not... They don't mind. Like, okay, so someone's put five, six, seven thousand $7,000 down. They're in a great interest rate position. Because most banks these days don't publish rate sheets. So we don't... Even our finance managers don't have a rate sheet. They submit in, and they've got their own variables and matrices that pop out a rate back to us. We don't even know. Nobody understands. But it's all based on how much money's down, credit score of the customer, everything. Term. So... A lot of times, the customers not even know it. They come in, we pencil because we'll we pencil a customer on an average rate. We we're not so we'll pencil them at what American First rate is. So say American First is four point nine percent. Okay. So a customer comes in on a used car, we'll say, okay, we're going to give you four point nine percent. That's what we think your interest rate's going to be. Once we get your credit, we'll get you an exact rate. So in a standard store, right? Even in our store, four point nine percent. We pencil the customer at that. That's what we've got. All of a sudden, we get a bank to give us an incredible deal, or they see something in their bureau that they really like and they give us a 3.75 rate the customer's already closed at 4.9 just sign it up yeah and that's how it worked that's how it always has worked but you're looking to change that and that's so fun. the difference is we'll go in and say okay now 3.75 and maybe that opens up the ability for a customer to get a service contract they wouldn't have been able to afford before or get pay protection or a clear bra that they really wanted but they couldn't afford a higher payment now they've got a little more room in their payment to buy one of those products so some of that stuff's happening too which is a cool thing for the customer as well. Or even to take it past the car, maybe now their kid can get those new shoes next month that they were going to sacrifice. Certainly. Because now, now instead of having a $450 payment, they've got a $420 payment. Right. Yep. And every, got a little every dollar rate. matters, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. It's Utah Car Sense presented by Mark Miller's Subaru. We'll take our final break. Coming up in the final segment, got to tell you about one of the nasty spots this weekend to watch out for uh, construction-wise here in Utah. People are mad about the Inland Port Authority board meeting. Talk about that. And also, 
Uh, UDOT is asking for your input on a big road uh, project coming up this summer in Davis County. We'll talk about it all next here on Utah Car Sense. Uh, Car Sense here on the Zone Sports Network, presented by Mark Miller, Subaru, Jeff Miller in the house. I'm Austin Horton. Eric Jensen producing for us today. You can call us at 855-340-ZONE-855-340-ZONE. Been talking a lot about disrupting the industry and the way things have been done for decades, and uh, we won't share names or numbers or details, but Jeff just shared uh, something off air with me that proves... The way that Mark Miller Subaru is trying to change it for the consumer is honestly they might be paying uh, 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 they might they're paying in uh, value and in experience rather than price and that is so important to the future of the car industry and that's what you guys are doing it right if we're going to keep going and we're going to avoid all the other disruptors because there are other disruptors we're I'm a disruptor inside the industry but we have disruptors outside industry that are trying to change. How manufacturers want to sell cars. They're trying to convince manufacturers that they don't need us. They don't need retailers to do it. It's just a middleman that's raising the price. Mm-hmm. But it's not. No, it's not. It's We've got to show the value for what we get. And we, and we add a ton of personalized value that we can add that a manufacturer just can't do. You're, you're so far and above that national average you just shared with me. That's that's ridiculous. So now That was just for the one guy. Just one that dude. was just one guy. Yeah. We were talking about the idea of well, one of our Say one of our product specialists who truly epitomizes what we're talking about is this idea of making customer service, and it's a guy that helped uh, help Austin when he bought his car. A guy named Tony Rossi who's out of our Midtown location. He's actually our number one guy, and I talked about for it, good I, reason too. The reason he's our number one guy is because what he does for customers. I mean, we talked about, and I'll just pitch out exactly what I just told Austin. So the national average for sales satisfaction score and the way Subaru does their surveys is about an eight fifty eight. And that's pretty consistent across region, zone, everything. So about 858 is average, and a net promoter score in the 75 to 77 range. And this one salesperson at our Midtown store who's had over 33 returns on surveys in five months, which is a lot of returns for one guy to get. People don't do surveys. Yeah, we get about a 35% return rate on surveys, so, which is pretty high. But, and he is at a 932 and a 94, <laughs> which is just insanely above average for that kind of survey volume. And we've got two or three other guys that do the same thing. I got another guy who's a 958 and a 92. And, it's because they've bought in. And to they this, bought this in. Plan. And this idea is that if they know that if they just treat customers right and take care of them and are honest with them and tell them the truth and tell them exactly what they need, convincing you that you need to buy windshield protection. Right. It saved it saved our financial life several months ago. Same idea, but but knowing about product has value and knowing that why you need this and and listening to you enough to know your financial needs and your financial what your life is that if you had that thirteen hundred dollar windshield claim that you would d- destroy you, right? No, it would have. Yeah, yeah. That he set that up for you and he listened and he does that and he does and he didn't just do it with you because you're associated with a company. That's what he does with everybody. Yeah, that's what we train all of our people to do with everybody. And if they do it. The rest of it takes care of itself. It's amazing. So I can't recommend it enough, and that number but there uh, are proves, very, it, proves it. And I'll tell you, there are very few jobs out there in the world that that fact's not true. That if you just try and do your job the right way and do it to the best of your ability and try and help your company the best you can, that hopefully you're getting rewarded for it. Same returns that you're seeing yeah, at your place. Hopefully you get rewarded for it. And if, you're, and, if you're, and if that's the case and you're not getting rewarded for it, 
Maybe start like another company. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> hey, we got to tell people about this. You're going to need to expect 30-minute delays on I-15 starting at 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Monday at this one stretch. Uh, drivers should plan for 30-minute delays northbound I-15 in Salt Lake this weekend as crews work to repair a bridge pothole. Two northbound lanes at 800 South will close tonight at 9 and reopen Monday at 5 a.m., UDOT announced. Uh, it was late in March the crews used a temporary patch to fill the large pothole that opened up on the freeway bridge over the road. Now that the weather is warmer, crews will permanently remove and replace the damaged concrete. So again, two northbound lanes, 800 south, closing tonight 9 p.m. until Monday morning at 5 a.m. Expect 30-minute delays. KSL traffic, by the way, is suggesting taking the 1300 south exit and then getting back on the freeway after the lane closures to avoid the delays. So there you go. Make sure you uh, keep that in mind this weekend. Also, uh, UDOT is looking for input from the public on refined plans for US 89 expansion in Davis County. And this is, I'm actually really proud of UDOT for doing this. Because what they had done is they had planned this whole, uh, it's like a freeway almost that they're expanding Highway 89 into up there in Davis County because the population of Davis County has exploded so that I-15 and 89 have the same number of cars on it in the afternoon. Wow. That's insanity. That is insanity. Uh, for, for a 45 to 70-minute stretch, they have the same amount of cars on it. And so they have, this has to be done. It has to be changed. Oh it gosh, needs to totally. be updated. Uh, but what they did is, uh, especially I know of neighbors in Fruit Heights who uh, were going to lose a lot of their yard, a lot of their land, a lot of their peace of mind, the, the noise, because the road was going to now be, instead of 65 feet away, 35 feet away. Okay. Well, and they could have just gone through and done it. Cut everyone a check, move the houses, but they actually listened to the complaints, to the outcry, and are adjusting and trying to make it a good environment for everyone that lives there. They want them to, they moved there for a reason. Mm-hmm. UDOT doesn't want to come in and destroy their lives. No. And so they're looking for your input on these new refined plans. Uh, you can, it's called Review 89 is the board, R E V U 89. Uh, is the board that wanted to uh, challenge UDOT on these changes. And so UDOT is seeking public input, and uh, you can visit their website and check out the artist renderings and the the visual effects and uh, give your vote, give your voice uh, to what they're planning to do and let them know if you approve, disapprove, and uh, what they could do better. I think that's really cool. That's really cool. Because UDOT could have just said, nope, this is the way it's going to be. And i got to say, I'd, I'd, I've always been impressed with UDOT. I mean, I know that they've gone through some bad press and stuff like that but I mean so in the auto mall for example whenever there's an issue affecting us with the state street construction or that they always they will send out a full representative they'll come in they'll get our input they'll ask our questions they'll come in and they'll try and do the best they can I I think they do a really good job of public input and they they want it and they literally they come in there not just to check a box they come in they ask us what what we think because they're going to they're cutting off a piece of the back of the auto mall over the next little bit they're expanding I-15 through from 60th South all the way out to 120th. Oh, I didn't know that. They're wow. trying to make a double, like a double lane system kind of thing, and so. Oh yeah, that'll cut so into like the, the bit. Yeah. yeah, so the like used car supermarket and Stockton Malone and the Hyundai store right there, they're going to lose like 10, 15 feet of their property, cutting into it. So they have to buy it, and they do that. But they were they've been really great about working with us, and they were great working on State Street. I mean, it was a really big pain in the butt having State Street closed down to two lanes in front of Southtown for six months mm-hmm. last year. But they got it all through, and they got it fixed, and we actually we sold them 
45 square feet of property. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> they had to take a piece of one of the, like, the corner of South Town, so we lost 45 square feet. You're like, uh, They right. paid us a lot of money for it, though. It was pretty good. <laughs> They'll pay top dollar they on that They pay top dollar for that kind of stuff. But I think, overall, they try their best to do what's in the public need without affecting as people as much as they can. That's good to hear. That's good to know. Because they they are affecting our lives yeah, daily I mean, fact, they're trying with to these do road things. changes. I mean, there's a big one in, uh, not a big one, but uh, one of my family members, or in-laws from my sister's family, they um, had a house over on Highland area. So Highland, kind of 50th South Highland area. And, and they're looking to try to put sidewalks on both sides of the street there where it gets kind of iffy in that middle area. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? I know where you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, they want to put sidewalks on both streets, but it take, it, part of it takes a few feet of owner's property and moving fence lines and they're working great with them. They work and they negotiate it and they move the fence line and and it's for the public good, but they're trying to make it so it's as little issue on hurting the homeowner as they can. That's great. I mean, this survey they're doing, it's right down to what plants they're going to be putting on the, the zero scape. It's really cool. It's so, really cool. Uh, check it out at uh, UDOT's website. You uh, know what we never talked about? What have we not spoken about today? Since we didn't, we were in a we weren't on last week. We never talked about May numbers. We didn't bring up May numbers. We've never talked about we've May numbers. We've done numbers every month. How every month do? for five years. How long have we been on the, on the air? I think it's over six. It's six years we've yeah. been on the air? Man. It's crazy. crazy. Getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I've done nothing with my life. <laughs> okay, so May. Actually, not a bad month. Down 0.3%. So basically even. I mean, 0.3%. But the uh, SARS rate, which we talked about a lot, so the SARS rate is a seasonally adjusted auto annualized rate of sales, uh, was up to 17.4 million, which was above the 16.9 million forecast. So it was above forecast. Good, good, good. Up from 17.26 last May and April 16.41. So it's doing better. I mean, it's generally one of the top months for volume. But it's, May is? Yeah. So, I mean, Why I, is basically. That? Because of Memorial Day yeah, sales? Yeah, I think Memorial and, Day has a right. big target. Start in summer, people are out for school. They want to get cars for summer road trips, and I think there's I a lot to that. Yeah. But, I mean, basically, everything's paid, pretty much going to the idea that it's going to be a flat year, which is good. I mean, I, think anybody that, I don't think anybody in the industry would be unhappy with a 17 million car a year. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see it yeah, go like up, it but go as higher, long as it doesn't go down. Yeah, so in the month of May, they sold 1.58 million cars which is a negative 3% drop. So that takes the annual number down 2.4% for the year. So essentially, it's pretty much a flat year so far. There's nothing drastic there. No. Yeah. Look at some of the individual numbers on the monthly. Who who did well? Chrysler down 26%. Ooh. Ram trucks was up 29%, though. Okay. Fiat, no, that's too little of what I'm not going to talk about. Jeep down, <laughs> Jeep down 7%. And Jeep's down 7% for the year, which after they had a big year last year. They were up huge last year, and they're now seeing it come back to the mean a little bit, is what you're seeing with Jeep. Okay. Uh, so Fiat Chrysler Jeep as a whole, that the whole Fiat FCA was up 2%. Um, let's see, Ford down 4%. Lincoln down 5%. General Motors down 1%, so essentially even. Acura up 5 Honda down 6 Ooh, why is that? That's, that's rare yeah, for Honda. Down to 131, 131,000. Hyundai brand pretty flat, a little up. 3.6% up, Kia up one. I mean, so those are all pretty small numbers. Mazda down 16%. That's a pretty big job. 16? Yeah, down 15 and a half for the year. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's not, Mazda's that, that's in not a bad good. way. Yeah, that's not good numbers for a company that, especially a small company like that. They only, sell, they only sold 25,000 cars last month. Man. Seems like four or five years ago, they were. 
killing it, though. Yeah, Mitsubishi fell again, 22% down, under 10,000 cars for the first time they're, this year. They're better at TVs anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nissan basically even. Uh, Super America up 6%. Their 90th straight year, or 90th straight, 90th straight consecutive month of year-over-year growth. They showed some really funny things. They talked about over, I want to say the number was like 30 or 20 or 30% of their national employees, like the people that work for Super America, have never lived in a world where they didn't set a monthly record. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> never been in a world. Spoiled children, <laughs> that's I'd what, say. That's what the vice president of sales said. So these people are living in la-la land. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know the real world. Because then we set 11 straight records. It's something like 55 or 60% of the population has never had a yearly sales record. Wow. Wow. That is is insane. That's a pretty cool stat. That is cool. But uh, Lexus down a little. Toyota up 4%. So not bad in this market. That's, I mean, that shows that's a lot of cars. It's 8,000 cars for them to be up that. Uh, Lamborghini was up 85.6%. 85? They only sold two 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 more cars? 232 cars. That's about it. Yeah. 85%. Tesla showed a 70% increase. So, but here's what I don't get. They're Why just throwing pe- out numbers. Uh-huh. They're not real. Mm-hmm. Tesla. Because there's yeah. no retailers. Yeah. So they don't have anybody to track it in real life. So all their numbers, they could at least make them look fake. Right? Yes, they could. How they many can cars Tesla? they probably do. Tesla, guess what Tesla sold last month? Uh, 600. 9,000 cars. <laughs> guess how many they've sold for the year? 9,000 cars. 45,000 cars. <laughs> Nine times five. <laughs> ha! They literally are just posting a $9,000 unit number every month. Yep, it was the same as last <laughs> month. Copy paste. Copy paste. Right? Copy paste. That's pretty funny. Because they, how do you prove it? Guess what, they, guess what they sold last year? 7,700 cars. Guess what they sold last year through the first five months? 38,500 cars. Exactly 7,700 times five. <laughs> they just pick a number and times it and post it every month. <laughs> Why? They shouldn't even post it. No, they should just uh, not be participating yeah. in there. Oh, uh, man, that's good. pretty funny, huh? I mean, the other one, VW Group, actually, VW is actually making a little comeback. VW is actually up 14% for the month and over 6% for the year. Cool. And Volvo is up a little bit too, but VW is actually making a little bit of a comeback. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. My, I was talking with my father-in-law last week as we were moving about the VW uh, software scandal and how no one really believes it was just Volkswagen that was participating in that whole thing. But you know what my father-in-law said? He said it doesn't bother him that they were lying to him. Just get the car to him, make it a good car, and he doesn't care. Make it a good price, make it a good car, do whatever you got to do. Yeah, it's it's really um, it's really interesting when you look at these numbers though. So when you look at them, is you got to take them with a grain of salt because these are total deliveries, retail okay. and fleet. Oh, all right. So you got to look at, it, and this is one thing that makes Subaru's numbers even more impressive, is that all of Subaru's numbers are retail. Subaru only runs about two percent fleet. Yeah, I don't. Who would do Subaru fleet? I don't. Well, I, I mean, there's. I guess rental uh, cars. Rental, rental car companies. cars. Yeah, rental car companies beg Subaru for cars. They won't give them. Sure. Them. Yeah. They beg them. Bag them it's to the rare. point where they call, where they come to us and we sell them to them at retail. It's rare to see a rental Subaru. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we started our rental car agency because no one gets fleet rental. Mm-hmm. Do you want some perspective on that? Is FCA, so Fiat Chrysler Ram, fleet shipments for FCA last month, thirty-one percent of their volume. Wow, 
a third. 67,000 cars they fleeted last month. Wow. Right? So that helps the numbers. Yeah. So they're making money, but they're doing it. Fleet, not fleet, retail. Not on the retail level. So the idea is, I mean, so Subaru has a goal of being at 4% market share this year, but they want 5% retail because that's how little they fleet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that they can literally be at 4% of a regular market share and 5% of the whole market if you just look at retail. Because they sell so little fleet that their fleet that their overall and number drops. And yet they're higher. Well, they were up 6%, you said, in May? And what that does is because there's none of those fleet out there, that's why they hold their value so well. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say yeah, that. When you start flooding the market with fleet and rental cars, the value, the value of your used car market. So, so it's why Subaru won five-car cost ownership award this year. It's the cheapest car five years. And it's something they're trying to get us. They talked about at the meeting that they're trying to get us the data so we can start using it on the sales floor. But how much, when you talk, take about depreciation, cost of ownership, cost of servicing the car, how much cheaper it is to own a Subaru over five years, you're not talking the hundreds. It's in the thousands of dollars cheaper, like $5,000 cheaper against some manufacturers to own a Subaru over five years than it is to own that car. Hmm. Wow. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you brought up uh, GM and FCA in those numbers. Did you see the secret cash flow partnership that Tesla's been uh, relying on? Yeah, was selling all, yeah, selling all their things. Super buys them. Does Super? Everyone does. They have to because in order because California has own emission standards. In order to sell cars in California, you have to sell a certain number of electric vehicles. Uh-huh. And if you don't sell them, you buy them. You buy the credits from a Tesla. Uh, so Tesla sold almost $420 million in regulatory credits last year, according to Bloomberg. And uh, that's up from 2011. That's up four, five thousand, 500%. Uh, anyway, but GM and, and FCA are the big ones. They've been pouring a lot of money into, into Tesla to keep them kind of afloat, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because they are bad at business, if I say so myself. By the way... Do you okay? I I said I guess on one of our rerun shows last week I said that Elon Musk is the greatest con man of our time. Yeah, is that inaccurate by me? Is that too harsh by me? He's the F. Lee Bailey of our time. Okay, the P. T. Barnum. Yeah, P. Yeah. T. Barnum, right? He's the Barnum Bailey of our he time. He is the ultimate. He's the hype man. Look at my right hand, so you don't see me robbing you with the left. It's not the best. I can tell you who the best is, but I'm. Gonna, <laughs> but I'm. Gonna, but I'm gonna, I'd get. Fo- I'd get phone calls. So <laughs> they're very similar on social media. Yeah, he has, a, he has a nice address. That a lot of people know where he lives, and it's a, he's a certain colored house. You can Google his phone number. Yeah. That's your biggest comment in the world. But <laughs> anyway, someone got mad at me and said I was no, uneducated to call him the con man of our time. He's brilliant. He is, and he he builds incredible product. Sure. But his hype machine... So you got to argue that a little bit, though, because the product is excellent. But as, a stand, as a standalone product, yeah. yes. But as a brand, I don't as believe that. As a brand that. and a concept and how he's trying to do it, it doesn't work without the hype. I mean, it's, got, it's a big bubble that could fall hard. And, and, I've always, and I've always told you this, and I don't know if I'll ever be proven it true, but my thought process on Tesla this whole time in this world, the Tesla's out there to, to build up battery technology and get Exactly what we just said with Toyota. You get the Toyotas and the Subaru of the world saying, we got to build electric cars. Mm-hmm. We got to do it. And then 
Oh, no, we need batteries for an electric car. Where are we going to get them? Who's got batteries? Oh, I got batteries. <laughs> you want some batteries? And that's, I mean, that's essentially what's going to happen. like a guy in an alley with a trench right? coat. Batteries? Ba- huh? I got batteries. You want some batteries? <laughs> you need batteries? Oh, guess what? I've got this gigafactory that's just pumping them out. And that's what's going to happen. And eventually, that's, that's his brilliance. And eventually yeah. he's going to get to the point where the electric vehicle market's built to the point. He realizes that he can't do it without a franchise market, doesn't want to go to the franchise world, and will sell the technology and the car brand to a... GM or a Chrysler, and they'll ruin it, and we'll call it a day. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, nope. uh, the but the, so in the meantime, he's got to stay there. So he's, he's got this gotta car. It, and they, they're not. They're losing money. They lose money every quarter. Yes, that's why they Maybe. are relying on GM FCA to give them some money and keep them going. Uh, but so he is brilliant. It, it's but it's the old fashioned way of doing business, in my opinion. I think it, it's. Telling you one thing and selling you another, but you think he's selling you what he's telling you about. I I just don't. I think it's a hollow brand. I think it's a hollow uh, promise, and it is an amazing car. They're incredible vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that you're kind of on an island on your own, and it might pop tomorrow, and then you've got this Tesla, and who's going to service it? Who's going to help you? It'll it may all be gone. And it's start. I mean, you're starting to see some reliability. Thing. Consumer Reports isn't recommending them anymore. I mean, they, I mean, they first came out Consumer Reports because the first hundred Consumer Reports ever gave on a test drive. But they're starting to get the long term reliability, and they're having issues in the suspension. They're having issues in the general car stuff, not the technology they created. It's in the general, just building a regular standard reliability of a reliable vehicle. vehicle. Yeah, just a long term car. They're having yeah. trouble with that part of it. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And I mean, one of my personal opinions of the long-term reliability problem is, is that one beauty of the internal combustion engine, love it or hate it, but you're required to bring that car to a mechanic every six months. <laughs> yeah. Love it or hate it, you have a mechanic looking at that car and telling you if there's problems. Catching something. If that's and the right you, mechanic. And if you yeah. have an electric car that's not having to go to the shop and you're going... Years between seeing a shop, you're not seeing any issues. You're not seeing that rock that flipped up into your brake caliper that's been dragging and scratching on your brakes for the last 12 months. Yeah. You're not seeing that little stuff that our guys catch every day because mm-hmm. they're doing a multi-point on every car. And you just don't see that kind of stuff, on, on and especially because a lot of the service they're doing, they do on a mobile service thing where they're on a jack and rolling under the car. They're not walking under and getting a good view in a really nice, well-lit shop and have the technology of all that stuff. and. The service model's not good. No, it's not. They, I, it's a really struggling service model. I feel like it's a cool gadget, not a great car, yeah, if and, that's and fair you're to seeing say. The stock's getting affected. I mean, the stock's had a huge hit this year. I mean, uh, Tesla stock? Tesla stock. It yeah. went from, it, last peak on it was December 13th. It was a 376 a share. It closed yesterday at 204. Hmm. It wow. dropped as low as 185. It lost... <laughs> Sixty percent of its value at one point this year. Wow, that's so. I, I you know, maybe I'm harsh in my words, and it's still, I mean, but I still think it's accurate. And you're still talking about something that's a thirty-six billion dollar company. Yeah, eh, they're, they're, <laughs> he's doing fine. Yeah, I think he'll do okay. Uh, another thing about Tesla, Elon Musk said he's aiming to build an electric pickup, and he claims it'll be better than a Ford F one fifty at a starting price of forty nine thousand dollars or less. A reveal of the new model is expected later this year. And that's where the scam has been. He's the key of bait and switch. I mean, that's what's always bothered me about him is, oh, I've got this $30,000 car. Oh, no, it's actually 40000 Oh, wait, no, it's 45000 Oh, you got to get this option, too. It's, oh, you want black paint? Oh, this is going to be another 1000 bucks. 
and it's all just oh you wanted a, a, a you wanted four wheels oh on that I could get you the silver one but you're gonna have to wait another six months but I got this one ready for you if you want it now it's six grand more and that people are like yeah I'll take the one yeah I want it so bad and it's like I hate that like that's the stuff and if the the problem with it is he's doing the crap that I talked about earlier in the show that made us dealers hate us mm-hmm. and he's doing it all day long and no one's calling him on it. Nobody's calling him on it. No one of of of, of he's being, clout. Yeah. He's a bigger bait and switcher than any car dealer has been in the last decade. That's what I'm saying. He's he's showing you his right hand so you don't look at his left hand. Yeah, I mean, just the way he dealt with the Model Three launch, they delayed the cheap ones not because they couldn't build them, because they couldn't make money on it and they knew they could do this. That's not customer experience. Nope. Yet people want it. That's still. Right. Drives me nuts. So he is brilliant, uh, but that's this. I, I'll believe the pickup from Tesla when I see the pickup from Tesla. I guess is what I get on that. Uh, well, Jeff, next week we'll be live at the Southtown yes, uh, store. Come see us. We'll try and do some stuff where you come down. We'll get, have some giveaways and things like that. Good. Yeah, we'll figure out some fun for we'll it. We'll be uh, celebrating the Do Good, Feel Good event, and uh, we'll have some fun at the Southtown store there on State Street in Sandy. Uh, in the meantime, we had two callers today. So let's pick a random, uh, either Riley or Caden's going to win some four-pack of movie passes. All right, one second. I'm going to write a one next to one of them <laughs> and a two next to the other one. All right. One Eric, or two. Eric, one or two. Oh, a lot of pressure here. Uh, I'm going to go with one. One. You got Caden. Caden, who called in. Uh, about the wireless chargers about and the, the, wireless, the plug-in yep. stuff we talked about a little bit. So we'll send your info down to the Midtown Store, Caden. He's the one who got us on the tariff conversation. He did. It's your fault, Caden, but you yeah, can go so to the movies. If you guys didn't enjoy the tariff conversation, we can all blame Caden. Meet him at the movie theater. All right. Jeff, have a good week, man. Have a great week. For Jeff Miller and Eric Jensen, I'm Austin Horton. See you next week on Utah Car Sense.